If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mark and Sarah talk about Hello, everyone, and welcome to the final four matchup in the exclusive, essential March Masters tournament to determine the all-time greatest teen idol. I am your host, Mark Blankenship, and not with me as always tonight is my co-host, Sarah D. Bunting. Unfortunately, Sarah is too ill to join us, but that's all right. We are going on undaunted, and we are going to be hearing some of Sarah's thoughts anyway because she did write them up for us, and we have been promised on a stack of recipe cards that she will be back for our final matchup Uh, conversation in this tournament next week. So Sarah, we love you and we hope that you will get well soon. Now, for those of you who have not yet voted, I do want to remind you that you can vote in this tournament by going to patreon.com slash Mastas, M-A-S-T-A-S. That is where you can get a free Patreon account and vote in all of the remaining contests in this tournament. We are so excited to have you join us if you haven't already. And speaking of joining us, I am here tonight in a live episode because I will be welcoming some of our very own Patreon patrons to the mic and into the chat room to talk about their feelings about this epic Final Four match. Now, to dive right into that, I am delighted to say that The BOP division was won by the Backstreet Boys, who overtook the Shangri-Las at last. The Shangri-Las, though, had a truly heroic run. They came from the undercard. They were the 16th seed in the BOP division, and they made it all the way to the Elite Eight. And it wasn't like that they got trounced like Mondale in 84. They still had quite a few votes. And uh, in fact, Kit says that she voted for the Shangri-Las out of weaponized apathy toward the Backstreet Boys. (laughs) which I think is a pretty sweet way of putting it. Um, Weaponized apathy is something that I feel like anyone who is anywhere near Generation X has really learned how to utilize throughout their lives. Um, Kit says they are indeed all right, no more, no less, as their song perhaps um, uh, ominously decreed. Um, Jenny also agrees that weaponized apathy is a good thing, and Janice notes that it's a superpower. It is our superpower, damn it. Some generations, their superpower is having lengthy documentaries made about them, hosted by Tom Tom Brokaw. Some generations, their superpower is getting Billie Eilish on the charts, but our generation is not giving a fuck about you and not even acting like we can. Hello. So before we go further in our uh, final four matchup on the left side of the bracket, I do want to take a moment to play a clip from our winner, Backstreet Boys. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say up front, 
There are not tons of Backstreet Boys songs that I like all that much. I do think that the Backstreet Boys are very good at being boring. You know, sorry about it. Um, Obviously, I Want It That Way is a great song. But we've already had an episode on that song, so we don't really need to talk about that again. And obviously, everybody's Backstreet Back is good in a cheesy way. So that leaves me with really just basically one more selection of a Backstreet Boys song that I think uh, is that I want to talk about. And that is a song called Shape of My Heart, which was their very last top 10 hit in the United States. So before we go any further, let's play a clip from Backstreet Boys, Shape of My Heart. Mariah lets us know that she has now found a replacement for her melatonin (laughs) or who needs Nora Jones, I guess, when you have this song. Now, I like this song well enough because it's smooth and buttery and the Backstreet Boys can sing well enough, especially when they have the machinery around them to iron out their pitch problems. And that song to me is inoffensive but catchy it's the kind of song that if you know the radio host delilah that's exactly what i expect delilah to be playing like hi this is delilah and i've got a message coming in from james out in wichita james wants uh, maurice to know that it's finally time to see the shape of his heart and maurice i hope you know that james is very special and then they would play the song now dan i want to invite you to come on mike because you mentioned that there is another backstreet boy song that you have a soft spot for Yeah, and I'm not even the biggest fan of them, uh, but they had a song that I think it hit the top 20 at least called The Call, which was from the same album as that one. Yes, Black and Blue, that album was aggressively titled. And I don't know, I found that song exciting. I found it fun to listen to. It was like kind of a fun highway song in a strange Mm -hmm. way. Uh, So I was kind of hoping that's the one you were going to (laughs) play. You know, I did think about that, but because it didn't reach the top 10 and I can be a picky bitch, that was the reason I chose not to play that song. But you are right that that one has a beat. I mean, I do think that it's nice when it's nice when they have songs with beats. Yeah, no, I enjoy that song very much. I actually listened to it maybe it might not have been two weeks ago. It like popped on and said, yeah, I'm going to keep this on. (laughs) <laughs> oh, hello. Well, see, actually, I feel like with a teen idol group, that's that's not a bad endorsement. You're like, I don't mind listening to this now. Hmm. Where there's, That's why I voted for them. <laughs> okay. So, and there definitely have been songs by other groups in this podcast and this tournament that if I heard them, I would be racing to either plug my ears or burn the radio. Yeah. Um, so, Karen, I don't want to put you on the spot, but if you'd like, I'd love to have you come on, Mike, and talk about the comment you just made regarding Max Martin. Oh, uh yeah, I mean, I mean, they they have so many Max Martin songs, and Max Martin knows a pop hook formula, like he won the Nobel Prize for it. So, <laughs> so uh, I mean, every I think we know more Backstreet Boys songs than we care to know because they're just so catchy. They they stay in your brain forever. So, 
that alone will probably keep them their career going and should win this bracket or the tournament if if music was going to be the basis. I actually am so glad that you brought this up because the Max Martin factor cannot be discounted ever because you're so right. And he's going to come up again when we get to the other side of the bracket as well. And he wrote shape of my heart. He wrote, I want it that way. Like you, you, you throw a dart at a list of songs from the last 25 years. And he probably wrote the one that the dart lands on. So you're, you're right that he is like, he in a way might be the greatest teen idol of all. Just saying, Karen, excellent point. So I do want to now bring us, however, to the other competitor on this side of the bracket. The winner of the Dynamite division was the Monkees. And I, I, unsurprisingly at this point, now that Ron has tipped me off to pay attention to this sort of thing, notice that the Monkees once again won by the widest margin in the tournament. Ron, am I correct about that? Yes, you are. Yeah, they had a margin of victory of 85, and the next closest was uh, the Backstreet Boys, actually, with 63. Okay, interesting. So um, it is worth noting that the Monkees moving forward does mean that we have to say goodbye to our beloved new edition, but I do think it's great that they made it to the uh, Elite Eight. They are elite in my heart. But um, uh, there is definitely something to be said about the monkeys and their excellence that I'm going to admit I didn't really appreciate as much as I did. Uh, I, I didn't really appreciate the monkeys enough until I started listening to their greatest hits this week. They have so many dope songs. I wasn't prepared. Even songs that were hits that I kind of didn't know as well. Like I'm not your stepping stone. Although when I listened to that, I remembered it clearly from the TV show because they're jumping over stones in a river. Doesn't matter. But there's a lot of musical breadth and depth there. And I got to say, y'all, I have been listening to the monkeys like it's my damn job for the last few days. And I wanted to just bring to the table today a clip of their very first American single and their first number one hit. This is, well, Don, you've already spoken its name into existence, in fact. Don says, Last Train to Clarksville, OMG. And in fact, this is Last Train to Clarksville. Now, if we are just going by chair dancing, the monkeys are going to move forward because literally every single person I was watching was bopping. I was bopping. Uh, I think that that song is uh, is dope to this day. Um, and I, uh, so Kat, you said that you are, have been feeling good about the monkeys from the beginning. Do you want to tell me a little bit more about what that means for you? Mostly because, um, I thought they did well, because they've had such a long, um, span of popularity. Mm. Um, of course they were popular in the sixties and the early seventies, but then 
when I was in high school in the mid to late 80s, there, I mean, I don't remember if it was, it was definitely there, the show was playing on in syndication, but like there was a huge um, swell of, I mean, so many people and so many different groups of people in my high school loved the monkeys. Mm-hmm. And it was so weird, you know, it was like, why are they popular in 1987? We'll never know. <laughs> but I would actually contend that one of the reasons they were popular is that their songs are timelessly good. They just, it, do they, are they clear Beatles? Are they clear Beatles knockoffs? Yes. Do I give a shit? No, because the thing about cookie cutters is they make cookies and cookies taste good. So hello. I then want to also go back to a point that Tim made uh, earlier regarding the Backstreet Boys. He said, I'm not a fan of Backstreet Boys and don't know boy band music that well, but with other boy bands of their caliber, I at least absorbed through cultural osmosis some of the names of the members and could tell you which one was singing in KOTB, NSYNC, etc. Totally not the case with Backstreet Boys. Not sure why that is. Maybe it's just me. And though I must admit that I can name every single one of them, uh, I also think that their homogeneity is one of their trademarks in a way. Like none of them stand out the way that JT stood out in in sync, And that may also affect them because the monkeys, I feel, have a real personality. Like, you know who, if you know who the monkeys are, you're like, I know the difference between Mickey I know, and Peter and Davey and Mike. I mean, at least I did uh, myself, whatever. Um, I do want to now take a moment to read Sarah's thoughts on Backstreet versus the monkey. This is a really tough one, she says, because as a voter and as a tournament runner, I think the monkeys take this one, and I don't think it's super close because the monkeys may be one of the few acts in this tournament that I think nobody was really ever voting against. And I think some people do vote against Backstreet, as we've heard tonight, with that weaponized apathy. I won't be surprised to be proven wrong, however, or particularly angry. So, yeah, I think that's a fair... I I wonder, is there anyone in the room tonight who would feel like... Is there anyone in the room tonight who's planning to vote for Backstreet Boys? And uh, and if so, I would love to. Yes. Okay. Well, Karen, yes. You've already made. So, yes. And you've made your excellent argument regarding. Um, so, uh, and then, Tim, I think that you just made a point that other people uh, are are hollering praise for. If you want to come on, Mike, and make that point. Yeah, I was just um, referring to something that Kat had said about the 60s or the monkeys being popular in the late 80s. And I was in high school in that era, and it was everything about the 60s was having that kind of cyclical 20-year resurgence. Mm-hmm. Um, like the doors were really popular and like some psychedelic music and like Tiffany and uh, Billy Idol had Tommy James covers and the Bangles had some like 60s sounding music and um, Echo and the Bunnymen were, you know, sounding like that as well. So I think it was just maybe part of that as well. Yeah, that's true, because in the 80s, you had the Billy Idol, and then the week before his cover of Moni Moni went to number one, Tiffany's cover of I Think We're Alone Now went to number one. A few weeks before that, La Bamba went to number one for, by Los Lobos because he was in the movie, but of course it was a hit from an earlier time. Kim Wilde had gone to number one just the year before that with her cover of You Keep Me Hanging On. Yeah, there really were a lot of 60s songs that were being reimagined for the 80s and hitting all over again. Club Nouveau's version of Lean On Me, which of course features the immortal breakdown, we be jamming, we be jamming. So the monkeys rode in on that wave as well. And it makes me think, um, 
you know, we're actually, we're overdue for a 20 year nostalgia trip for the Backstreet Boys, but God, I guess we're kind of always living in that nostalgia at this point. Before we move forward to the other side of our tournament bracket, I want to give a shout out and word of thanks to our sponsor, eBay. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to snag the pair of sneakers you've been looking for. And with eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers will be meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators who verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. And eBay is good for sneaker sellers too. They offer a verified return process and no selling fees on sneakers 100 bucks and up. So it's free to sell or flip your collection so head to ebay.com sneakers today ebay the world's best destination for discovering great value and selection now speaking of a great selection we have a great selection of acts on the other side of our tournament bracket hey don't worry i will see myself out except if i leave then the entire episode ends so i guess you're just gonna have to put up with me on the other side of our bracket in the Tiger Beat division. Some of you will be very happy to know that Debbie Gibson has fallen. There were people who were sending me, <laughs> I see a lot of cheers. I see that Lindsay's hand is pumping, Mariah's hand is pumping. There's some people who are not sorry to see Debs bounce out. Um, some people were sending me sorry, not sorry messages this week. And I'm like, I see you, I see you. Well, look, Debbie, Heart you made it to the Elite Eight, but as Karen pointed out, the power of Max Martin is strong, and Max Martin is the person who wrote Baby One More Time, Oops, I Did It Again, many other Britney Spears hits, and I think it's clear why Britney rode in on a wave of love and support in this tournament. I don't think it's only because of what has happened to her in the media and what has happened with that documentary. I also think it's because Britney Spears has, at the end of the day, songs that we all can agree on if we like pop music at all. So I will now turn it over to Sarah, by which I mean I will read what she had to say regarding Britney versus New Kids. Uh, Spoiler, New Kids won their bracket as well. She says, okay, I hate this and I have no prediction. I will be very interested to hear what Ron's numbers tell us, but I would vote New Kids because I feel more personally connected to them. With that said, I acknowledge that Britney has more bangers, probably, and that they're better, question mark. And her take on my prerogative is goddamned brilliant, not least in its ironies. And that is why I have provided a clip. And yes, she has. So before we go any further, this is the Sarah Bunting special clip of Britney Spears covering Bobby Brown, who was just eliminated from this tournament's My Prerogative. I mean, 
That's, I think it's actually a really interesting choice that uh, Sarah clipped that song because obviously that is a song that was great before Britney ever became involved, but it also is uh, underlines that Britney has these connections to all these other teen uh, idly style artists. Uh, Carolyn, you've made, I think, a very excellent comment. Would you care to come on mic and talk about uh, what you feel regarding Britney's place in this tournament? I was just going to point out that like, I really don't think you could compare Britney's career to Debbie Gibson's, right? Like, like Britney had so many more hits. She was so much more of a presence, so much. And I, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not in the age bracket for Britney. I was not a fan at the time, I'll be perfectly honest, but obviously now have tremendous sympathy for her. But I just, like, Debbie Gibson was a bit of a flash in the pan, and Britney certainly was not, right? Like, I just, I just don't think they're comparable. But I did see in the chat, I thought that Kit made an excellent point that perhaps Britney is too big for the tournament. Like that, that would be my only argument for not voting for her going forward, that she maybe she maybe goes beyond being just a pop idol. And now, like, if, if, if we're doing, you know, teen idols, sorry, not pop idols, teen idols, if we're doing teen idols, then perhaps, like, she's just too big to move to move on. So I thought that was a, an excellent point from Kit in the chat. Yeah, so that is fair. And, you know, it's one of those things that's always going to happen, I think, in a tournament like this. There will always be... Sp- I think it, let me put it this way. I think it's actually more fun if there's an element like this in a tournament like this, where there's someone that you're still kind of arguing about through the end, because at this point you are right. That if we look at the brief of what makes a teen idol, a teen idol, you really could make a strong argument that being a flash in the pan, as Kit also just noted is kind of part of the deal. That being said, I don't, I'm not going to be mad if Brittany wins because I would actually vote for her because when she was a teenager, she was the essential teen idol of that moment. I think more than the Backstreet Boys, more than NSYNC, more than Christina, more than anyone else around her, in her time of being 18, she was an exquisite example of teen idol excellence. And the fact that she has been strong enough to have hit singles and a grip on the cultural imagination beyond her life as a teen idol, to me, does not disqualify, nor should it disqualify her. However, I also can see the other argument that a short shelf life is what makes you quintessentially a teen idol instead of someone who got famous as a teenager and stayed that way. So I kind of love this shit. And also, um, actually, I'm just seeing in the chat that someone mentioned the movie Crossroads. And I do feel like having a shitty movie is part and parcel with being a true teen idol. But listen, I I can see the points either way. And um, I, I am so interested to see what happens because I truly do not have a call about who's going to win between Britney and the new kids. But I do want to now read Sarah's comment about the new kids. Um, She says, putting it mildly, new kids on the block have known weaknesses, but I kind of love how open they are about burying Danny's quote voice as best they can, as you'll hear in this clip. And this is a clip from the very first top 10 hit that the new kids on the block ever had. Please don't go girl. I just can't live without you. So listen to me.
Um, I would just like to say that listening to that, uh, Lee um, Dawn writes, Barry White weeps, <laughs> which is fair. So continuing on with uh, Sarah's comment, and uh, I think that she meant to write Donnie's voice there because I believe that we were listening to, to was that Donnie or Danny talking at the beginning? Team, do we know? Danny Wal no, Donnie Wahlberg. It was Donnie Wahlberg, yes. Lord, I get so overcome by all these young boys. I just don't know what to do. Oh, scratch that. That's not what I meant to say. Anyway, okay. So Sarah continues to write, um, the video for this song is really a visual treat. If you think fondly back on the era of acid wash jeans and hockey jerseys worn over white turtlenecks, all set off by a tight mullet. Also, what exact, exactly is happening in that video? Like Donnie's getting dumped, but then he tags in little Joey to plead his case for him in falsetto. There's none of that budget quality in Britney's product. She's never wearing her own clothes. If she chunks a note, they fix it in post. That makes her less relatable. Plus there's only one of her and she's not a boy, which may be a disadvantage for her in this tournament. She could still win. Don't get me wrong. I'm just not sure that she should. So yeah. Now, um, Lee, did I see you saying that one of your great regrets of COVID is that you did not get to see the Britney musical? Yeah, the um, Once Upon a One More Time is a musical telling fairy tales using Britney Spears' catalog. Mm. And, and, said, yeah. and Betty Friedan's The Feminine the feminine Mystique. Yes, yeah, ridiculous. And I said, if the producers of that don't have a wicked witch handing somebody an apple to the tune of Toxic, what are we even doing here? <laughs> Susan, you're passionate about this show as well. This was, I, the, I just don't understand how I didn't think to write this myself. I had <laughs> tickets. <laughs> I'd been, because it was supposed to be a, like in November and then they pushed it to May and I'd convinced a few friends to go, like to fly to Chicago to go with me. Um, and then, and then COVID hit. Well, God willing, that musical is going to come back. And then there's the Max Martin musical. Karen, do you know about this? That there's a Max Martin musical on the West End of London, or was called And Juliet. And it's a riff on Romeo and Juliet that only uses Max Martin's songs. So there are actually two musicals that are giving us an opportunity to enjoy the work of Britney Spears. And uh, the fact that we can't get to either one of them is making me very sad. Adam, you were supposed to go see one of these shows, am I correct? I, I had the most tentative of plans to go to Chicago to see Once Upon a One More Time just because what a ridiculous idea and how could you not? And then COVID. So, you know, let's try for a mass test meetup to see that where and whenever it happens. I think they are planning to do it direct to Broadway now, but I don't know. Oh God, Broadway won't mean a thing if it doesn't have that particular show on it is what I say. And like Lee said, if we don't see someone being given a poison apple while singing Toxic, what were any of us doing on this planet? I mean, we, lost, we lost the share show, and I feel like this could be the, the, the worthy heir. Yes. Scantily clad chorus boys and all to the share show. It's what we need. Brittany, I'm a, Michelle asked the important question, will this get Brittany a Tony somehow? No, since she won't be writing any original music for the show, but if for some reason she is cast in a role, she could conceivably get a performance, Tony. I don't really imagine a context in which that would ever happen, but you know, who can say? Um, well, that leads us now to the end of our conversation about the final four, but I think it's very clear that there are strong passions 
all across the board about what's happening here. It will be so interesting to see what comes of the matchups of Backstreet Boys versus the Monkees and Britney Spears versus New Kids on the Block. Oh my God, this time next week, we're going to be talking about our final two. I don't even know what to say. I don't even know if I can handle it. Will I chew off my own fingernails? Possibly. I know that's gross, but that's the level of passion that I'm at. So on behalf of Sarah and myself, I want to say thank you to everyone who has been participating in this tournament. I want to say thank you to all of our patrons who are with us tonight and who have been supporting us all along. We cannot wait to see you next week. Oh my God. Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship, that's me, and Sarah D. Bunting. That's me. I also edit the podcast, which is a proud member of the Believe Network. Learn more at BLEAV.com. To learn more about us, submit song requests, get a pop chart reading, or buy a Mastis book, visit our website at MarkAndSarahTalkAboutSongs.com. You'll also find all of our social media links there, too. That's Mark and Sarah with an H, talkaboutsongs.com. And for even more content and access to the Mastass Happy Hour, become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash Mastass. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.